0: All right, listen up. This is the Prime to Rise podcast. We are going to get you primed today. This episode is going to get you primed for two reasons. My guest Mark Mason's here. Uh, he's definitely making my accent come back. So that's the first <laughs> reason you should be pumped. And the second reason uh, is he, he's got a pretty inspiring story of how he's primed his career. Uh, he was not dealt a great hand coming out as a kid. Um, lost both of his parents at a young age, right? Uh, he went on to a VOTECH. He did not go to college, but he did get his plumbing license, which allowed him to start a plumbing business. He now has, I believe, over 40 employees. In that business alone, he owns several business, but that one's pulling in a revenue of 10 million plus a year. Right, Mark? Yep. So welcome, Mark Mason. Mark, how are you? Thank
1: you for the intro. Uh, about 70 employees now. So. 70 employees. 70 employees. 70
0: employees in plumbing alone. Plumbing and alone. I know we're, doing, another, we're doing some house flipping, some property investment. Yeah, about another 10 employees on the real estate. Okay, so I know a ton of people in my DMs and in my comments, um, whether it's parents or young people reaching out to me looking to get into the business. They want to know what they can get into, but they all seem to want to get into property investment. So follow Mark on his social media. Whenever I share any of this content, I'm going to make sure he's tagged. I'm going to give you places where you can follow him. His content is great. I'm learning stuff from it. So make sure uh, sure you follow up with Mark there. I want to, before we get into the business... I always want to relate um, everybody, all the guests that we have onto their early life so that our, our young people can look at it, they can learn from it, they can realize that they're not alone and that there's people that have already overcome that. That's the best way to learn, right? Of course. So early life, I already mentioned you lost both your parents at a young age. I did. So if you could give us a little insight there, you know, what that was like for you. I think it was your mom first
1: yeah so uh, I'll, I'll get I'll dive right in uh, and I haven't talked about this much so this will be a new a new a new game for everybody here so uh you know I grew up in Taunton Massachusetts um I was about five years old my grandparents took me in uh, we were having some issues at a young age with you know my mother getting into uh, you know into drugs and I never actually knew my father so my father is unknown at this point uh, we have some ideas of who he is And as I got older, I started digging into it Trying to figure it out Just curious, you know um, But overall, at about 5, 6 years old They finally got custody of me, my brother And two cousins So kudos to my grandparents They absolutely uh, they, they saved all of us, you know Because um, the next step was probably You know, a foster home or something along those lines, right? Um, you know, and that's where the opportunity started You know, and my grandfather and my grandmother, you know, started teaching me discipline at a young age and and, because I was, I was, I was chaos, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Just think about it. I had no, there was coming from a household where there's really no rules and just people are in and out all day and all night and, you know, it was just chaos. So
0: I like stats. I'm a big stat guy because I think that it it makes things relative for people. Yeah, for sure. Right. So I looked up how many young people today in America are being raised by their grandparents in a similar situation. Ooh. So a couple stats that came out there, 2% are in that situation, Okay. which seems like a small number. But when you think about it, you walk into any classroom in America, there's going to be at least one in that situation. So For it's sure. really not that rare, right? Correct. It's pretty, pretty common. Now of those, they say that um, they are five times more likely to be diagnosed with a behavioral disorder or a mental mental health issue. Um, and that's mm. because 72%, so three out of four, experience one or more traumatic events as a child, right? So if you're talking to somebody in that situation, right, that's being raised by their grandparents, it's probably not for a good, good reason. Correct. Like they've probably seen some stuff. Yep. Okay. So what would you say to somebody? I don't know if you want to give any insight to maybe something that you saw at a young age. Uh, But what would you say to a young person who's looking up in that situation who might not realize they're at a disadvantage, or Uh they've been exposed to something that could affect them in a negative way and where they should go from there?
1: Yeah. So I think everybody has their own tragic moments and it's different for everybody and everybody has different capacities on what they can handle at that point. Um, You know, I didn't really realize those are that tragic until like late middle school realistically because I was just so caught up in that day-to-day I was angry I was I was had I had uh you know I had a counselor and all that good stuff so I was just I was just an angry kid and mm-hmm. from all those tragic things that were happening that I really didn't know at a young age but you know if I had to if I had to give advice to the audience here um you know it's tough what what, what do you I'm trying to talk to that younger that younger group and I and I think it's just just keep just just continuing the path you know i think when you're when you're that young you can take the 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 path on the left the path on the right and i think you just have to know who you're surrounded by and who has your best interest in order to march in the right direction
0: now a lot of people would say like you the best way is to find a purpose right yeah something that not motivates you but um keeps you towards that discipline and you had a grandfather that was pushing that was preaching discipline and making you practice that so and i believe i've heard you talk about not having a victim mentality before um you clearly didn't have a victim mentality right so i think that's the first step is acknowledging hey you may have been dealt a bad hand you can either become a victim and let it negatively affect your life and and fall into becoming a statistic or you can acknowledge hey this is an obstacle but this is a chance for me to build myself into something and maybe be part of my purpose
1: yeah yeah well I you know something came to me as you as you were saying that I think I was really good at staying busy you know Mm -hmm. I like I was always I'd always find something to do in order to drive forward and I think obviously once I got a taste of money at that age that's what really got me excited and we it started in middle school when we started doing poker in the bathrooms and selling CDs at that time so it started that young and it kind of obviously grew into something else in high school so if not only if you're in a situation where you're
0: being raised yeah. by your grandparents, but if you're playing poker in a bathroom in school or if you're, I don't think you're selling CDs, I don't know what else kids would sell these days. Uh, uh, might be some evidence that you have some yeah. entrepreneurial spirit right there, right? So yeah. the other thing that you were exposed to um, as, a, as a child, you mentioned, was drug abuse. So again, not uncommon for a child to experience that according to Correct. several different uh, publication Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Association being one of them, uh, the consistent stat is that 12.5% of parent, of children grow up, one of their parents, at least one, has a substance abuse issue. So that's, that's one in eight kids. That is a staggering number, which probably plays into how many kids are being raised by their, by their grandparents. How did that, How did being exposed to drug abuse with your mother at a young age? How do you think that affected you?
1: Why well, I, I think I knew what I didn't want to do. I think that's really what drove me, you know. Um, yeah, so I I just knew what I didn't want to do and where I wanted to be, you know. Um, and I think my grandparents and other family members gave me that vision. So I feel like when you're when you're at that young age and there's nothing around you and there's nothing to look up to, that's where I think kids get lost you know and i think when they have that opportunity that maybe they have an uncle or an aunt that's successful and that has drives nice cars and has a license that's that's a difference
0: so that's a big thing that i that i always preach is the importance of mentorship one of my first episodes was about that yep. trying to find that and it might not be your parents which is unfortunate right because that's supposed to be the number one and easiest right so you mentioned you had your grandfather, and then I believe you had a high school teacher at some point. Yes, time, right? yeah, I had a high school teacher. there. so you got you got to be problem. on the lookout for these mentors, right? If, especially if it's not going to come for your parents. I'm not telling you that you should look to stray away from your parents. Yeah, but unfortunately, there's a lot of bad examples out there as parents, right? So the, the point is is to look for that mentor. Um, give us a little insight to your grandfather, and then so I thought it was your father, but I, it
1: was your grandfather, grandfather that passed away, which yeah. was a pretty big trauma point for you. Correct yeah 2001 ironically it was uh it was today uh you know what's that 20 years ago at wow. this point so that is that is weird uh i just that I, was I, not I, intentional <laughs> i have it in my calendar that, and i looked at it this morning um but it was very tragic you know um you know he did get he got hit by a car in front of us at 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 our house where we grew up um and that was uh It was just tragic, you know? And, but I think that some people fall victim of it and it, it fuels people. It, it fueled me to want to show him that what I could be because he was a mechanical engineer and he, he had all these aspirations and he, he was involved in a lot of volunteer work and, you know, there's a statue of Charlestown, Massachusetts with him, um, because he was involved in the Korean war and, um, I set out really to, like he's actually represented in the statue. Yes. Wow. Yeah. Yep. That's cool. And if you press the button in the statue, it's him talking about the, uh, the everybody that was lost in the war. So wow. he was, a, he was definitely, um, you know, he was my mentor when he was alive. And I think what fueled me was giving my grandmother the life that she deserved after everything she's done. And I successfully did that because I feel like I gave her that financial freedom Mm. when i was actually there and you know she she lived you know bill free and a house paid off uh for the last three or four years of her life which was amazing wow
0: good for you Then now that's something to be proud of so discipline i want you to talk about discipline and here's why i want to highlight that discipline because we tend to get that as people from a father figure right so your grandfather stepped in there you still lost him at a young age right and I want you to talk about discipline, how it's played a role in your life day to day, how it's going to carry you forward, but how it's really got you to where you are today, because again, stats, kids without a father living in the same home as them. So they can have a father present in their life, but if they're not living in the same home, five times more likely to be poor and commit crime, nine times more likely to drop out of school, 20 times more likely to end up in jail. So discipline. What does that mean to you as a young person where you are today and where you're going?
1: Mm. So, I like to say discipline and motivation are different. You know, when when you're motivated, it's short term, in my opinion, and it really takes consistency and, you know, training your brain. Are you motivated every day? <laughs> I, I think it, you consistently have to work towards it. You know, uh, I mean, and discipline is just consistency, right? Uh, so they're similar, but discipline is long term, in my eyes, and uh, you know, I just don't think it comes, it doesn't, it didn't come naturally for me. You know, I've just always fed my brain and fed myself with with people that you know that I learn from and that motivate me. And you know, I usually listen to something every morning that kind of like triggers something within me and that can that can push. So it's something the day. that
0: you practice. It's a muscle.
1: Yeah, hundred percent. I don't I don't think it just comes every day. And you're gonna have off days. You're gonna have good days and you're gonna have bad days. You know.
0: Yeah, I definitely think it's a, it's a muscle that you have to build. It's a muscle yeah. that you have to maintain. Hundred percent. And uh, the difference is made as. On the days that you don't feel like yeah. it, right? Yeah. yeah. So before we get into the business, I do want to wrap up the early life, right? So I know uh, you probably weren't the most well-behaved kid, right? No, so. I knew the
1: word "fuck" at a young age. Yeah. <laughs> maybe I can. Gra- maybe we can cut that into this video. Yeah, <laughs> uh, video, so, which is totally fine. <laughs> so I see a lot of parallels. with with
0: yourself right the way that i've heard about you talk about your childhood you know we grew up in the same area yeah right so i grew up i went to high school in brockton you were in high school in taunton which is all of 20 minutes apart from each other yep. right Hip down that. the dreaded route 24 that we were just talking about right so you said something interesting, very interesting on a podcast that i i've struggled with right i've heard can't tell you how many times i've heard the phrase in my life you forgot where you came from Mm. which drives me absolutely bananas. And it's something that I can accept and that I can handle now. Right. I'm sure you've heard that one before. <laughs> Always. Right. Uh, and I'm sure while you were growing up, uh, your friends all didn't end up in great places. Right. And, you, and you, you've you acknowledged that you have to be cognizant of who you surround yourself with. You want people that are good for you, that are catalysts t- for you to, you know, become better and chase, chase bigger dreams. Right. So talk about that. Talk about how you've identified, who you grew up with that you want to that deserve to be in your life that are good for you you're good for them it's a two-way street and how you look at that phrase you forget where you came from
1: yeah so uh most of my friends you know we've actually all went to vocational school and i and i feel like we went into vocational school when it wasn't a thing when everybody talked down on it and when nobody wanted anybody to go there because you couldn't go to college after and it was made for c students and um you know i quickly got into bristol plymouth over here in taunton and you know i went through my four years and one thing that it gave me was discipline it was like it was right on top of you know everything i learned earlier and i was surrounded by the right people in bristol plymouth now so you, you fast forward and we're all out of we're all out of high school and we're all opening businesses. So I've been I wouldn't say lucky, but I've been surrounded by and chosen to surround myself by other business owners. And most people in my position don't have a lot of support from their family or their or their friends and I feel like I've been lucky because we were at a good time where we were coming out of high school, there was a recession finishing up and Everybody was getting on their own feet, opening up their own businesses. So most so, of my friends. So most are, of
0: your friends that you went to high school with are currently business owners. Correct. Which and is ironic. Do you think that that is it ironic because they went to sc- they went to a school to get an education and a skill that they could sell people? Right. Hundred percent. Do you think most friend groups that young people have are going to end up being full of entrepreneurs?
1: No. Nope. <laughs> nope. Yeah. So I, I like I said, I think it's uh, it's ironic, and I feel like we all feed off each other, and I feel like they a lot of them learn from me. And, and vice versa. And we all use each other.
0: So you did roll your eyes a little bit when I said you forget where you came from. So you've heard that phrase somewhere. <laughs> Always. Right. Who, who's who's saying that to you? And uh, how do you it used to affect me very negatively? I used to get really hard on myself over it. But I've I realized now that I want to surround myself with the right people and not everybody's yeah. meant to be in my life. And just because we grew up together and you know, we smoked pot or, you know, we, we egged houses or something when I was 12 years old doesn't mean that, <laughs> that, doesn't mean that, you know, I owe you something for the rest of my life. Was that just huge right? in Massachusetts So did everybody do that? I So talking to my wife, my wife is from outside of <laughs> Philly and the stories that I tell her about me growing up, whether it's doing stupid stuff like that or going into like the party scene um, or, you know, getting into fights or brawls or whatever it was, we were just talking about this last night when we were at, uh, you know, staying over a friend of mine's yeah. in Plymouth here.
1: Uh, apparently not I, I, <laughs> I had a feeling you were gonna say that <laughs> I don't know uh, but yeah so anyways um, you know you know that phrase I mean to be honest with you I don't I'm, I have very thick skin you know and if something has a a bit of negativity I, it's like I don't even acknowledge it I keep going so when people say that I've learned to just just keep it rolling and that's with anything you know my wife will kind of like try to say something to me that may, may have a negative effect on life. She's like, did you hear me? I'm like, no, I didn't even hear you. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so I think I just trained my brain just to kind of like try to X out that negativity. Um, and you know, I, you know, I, I would, well, the way I think of it is I just don't know where everybody else is at. So like, I know the people I want to surround myself by. I make a, I make a hard, um, I press hard to hang out with those people. And, um, you know, and the people that I don't wanna see, you know, I, I, I scoop my way through that. You know, I don't wanna hurt their feelings, but you know, I try to do what I gotta do to in order to in in order to kinda alleviate that situation.
0: Yeah, I think for me it's it's usually a sign of pain, yeah. right? When something like that comes out and when people have pain, they either project that pain onto somebody else or they dwell in it and they, yeah. they, they go deeper into a depression 100%, or wherever they're hundred percent. So,
1: so I don't know if that answers your question, but No,
0: hundred percent. Absolutely. So let's get into the career, right? Because they definitely want to, you, you have such an impressive portfolio at a young age. Um, I'm 33, you're 32? 32. 32. Okay. Uh, the numbers that I gave you guys earlier, I mean, that is impressive for somebody somebody as young as us, right? So why plumbing, right? You, you chose that path in high school for a reason, right? I, as a general contractor, I was telling you, I have 28 projects nationally. Everywhere I I go, doesn't matter if it's Vancouver, Texas, Chicago, New York, wherever. It's the same thing. We don't have plumbers. So there's definitely a demand for it. But why'd you pick it and would you recommend that to somebody again?
1: You want the real answer? Yeah. I like playing with a torch during exploratory. Yeah. <laughs> you like playing with fire.
0: <laughs> so it's funny you say that because I I did uh, an after school program for ten years and the best. To this day the best activity, hands-on activity that I've done with them is when I had the Haitian plumber that I told yeah. you about that lives in Hanson. When I had him come in, he brought a torch and he he let them all practice soldering. Yeah. And it was like it, it was like I, I don't even know. It, it was like tasting candy for the first time or something. Like the kids were so <laughs> lit up and so pumped to be playing with the blowtorch. Yeah. It was uh, it was fun to see. Does your buddy need a job? Um we could talk about that. All right. All right. I'm always prospecting. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we could talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> He's doing pretty well right now. Uh, all right, let's let's get it let's get into this because I'm, I'm so, passionate about so this. So why plumbing and would you recommend it to somebody?
1: So plumbing, because I you know, essentially I just thought it was I, I actually like playing with a torch during exploratory and then when you're a freshman in high school. Sometimes you sh- you're just still not there. You, when wise. you say
0: exploratory, you're talking about like they let you test out certain trades or certain activities in yeah. Botech and, so, and then you went into it.
1: Yeah, so exploratory, you get that you get to test out every shop, you know, over okay. the course of a couple of weeks. Uh, I I thoroughly enjoyed playing with the torch, and I I just felt some type of energy towards the teachers. Okay. Um and it was ironic because that was the f- I think the second year plumbing actually was introduced into the school. So it was a new shop. So it was easy to get into because mm. nobody wanted to get into it. So that's how I got into plumbing, you know. So freshman year um and then it it, it kind of walked myself right into co-op. And co-op is essentially a a program where they let you leave school biweekly in order to go work for uh, a company in the field. And that's really important because I think that's the best education is co-op, right? Like I Correct. went to Wentworth
0: and I personally think everyone always talks about how well Wentworth students perform compared to other colleges. Yep. And it's because of the, it's not because of the books or the classroom. It's because of the co-op program. Yep. It's, it's the real world experience. And you were getting that in high school. In high school, yeah as was I, I told you I was working in a mechanical shop. Um, now how did that compare to other kids in other disciplines? Right? So you were in plumbing, other kids were probably in HVAC or electrical. Again, I'm seeing a high demand with nobody to do it. Is that, has that played into success in your career and what you've been able to build the demand in plumbing with not a lot of people around to do it?
1: So, 100% and i and i think it, it was timing a lot of the stuff in life is timing you know what I mean? you got to time it properly and sometimes it happens by default and sometimes you can kind of manipulate it but when we were graduating high school that's when we had this boost in the economy you know from 2014 let's say up to now there's you know the economy has been doing things that are, are, are unmocked, mm. you know? And I think that we, we rode that wave and people that wanted to grow and millionaires that want to be made had that opportunity during that time.
0: So how, so you were in school, right? Yep. And then you got your plumbing license. I think you were still in high school, you, but you didn't start a business until your late twenties, right? So what happened in between there? How'd you get your career going? How'd you find a job? Um, what was that like? And I also want you to talk about side work, because I don't yeah. think kids understand what side work's about. Yeah, And that's probably one of the most appealing parts about being a trades person.
1: Yeah, so right. I think it starts with a vision, right? And I had a vision to be a business owner. And I went through high school, I graduated high school, and uh, my shop teacher said, hey, they're, they're, this this company is putting an ad in the newspaper they need Taunton residents to work at Taunton High School. It's rate right work. So I got a job there. They had to hire Taunton residents. Right
0: work being... Prevailing wage. Prevailing wage, which is yeah.
1: big bucks. Big bucks, yeah. So I was right out of high school making 30 bucks an hour. And back then...
0: I repeat, 18 <laughs> years old making 30 bucks an hour,
1: which is $60,000 a year before you work an ounce of overtime. Almost 15 years ago.
0: 15 years ago, which today would be... Yeah, you're getting more than that today. We're old.
1: <laughs> right, right. <laughs> uh, so, you know, there's an opportunity. Okay, check that box. You know, hard work and dedication... Through the early 20s, um, once I realized what I wanted to do, I started doing side work. You know, I work my full-time job. I leave at 2.30, and I go plumb houses. I do service calls. And it grew. Naturally, it grew, like the progression Anyway, you would see right. it so
0: side work is basically you're almost your own entrepreneur right somebody calls you they need a new garbage disposal somebody calls you they need just anything done and you're doing it usually it's for cash on the side a lot of these guys do yeah. i mean my a lot of friends I, I almost just gave up some examples um but if you're in a union and uh, maybe if some guys are retired or something like that then maybe that's not something that i want to share but yeah. a lot of cash to be made on the side
1: of course yeah right? yeah yep.
0: so You mentioned you wanted to be an entrepreneur. Obviously, you're not going to start out owning your own business or go to the C-suite without some experience in education, right? So you went out, you got the rate work, and then where'd you go from there? Is that when you went to Sagamore? That's when I was at Sagamore, yeah. Okay, which is a big non-union contractor, probably the biggest in the area, right?
1: Yeah, pretty close. At that time, they were the biggest in the area. Okay. Uh, So so I worked there for a good eight years or so. Uh, So when I started coming up and doing that side work, it naturally just got too big for me to do. And uh, me and my business partner Rich now we're actually, we started doing it together. And uh, essentially I started hiring people where I worked to help me on the side. So now I'd have three or four people come in on a Saturday and bang it out. And I just go there on a Friday night and kind of lay it out.
0: Yeah, so you're now you're making money on top of other people. You're charging a premium on top of other people's time. Correct. So instead of making money just on yourself, you that that's an opportunity cost, right? So I just bought back time.
1: Right. Which that's when it clicked. I'm like, ooh, that's how it works. And uh at that time it's like, you know now, now it's when do you have the balls to do it for real, right? Right. And that I think that's a struggle that a lot of people have. That's that's that speed bump that everybody has to get over. But it didn't just go right into your own
0: business from there. Now you went into the office for a little bit, right? Correct. And you and I have talked about this. Yeah. Where you're young people out there. It's not just boots and jeans. You pick up a wrench It's not like you're gonna have a wrench in your hand your entire life. You can start your own business But in these existing companies not everybody is in the field. So talk about how you realize that and
1: how you chase that opportunity Absolutely, so uh, You know computers started getting big in the trades then you know uh, And then I had that niche in the field where I was always fixing my phone's computer it it triggered within the company I ended up getting a position in the, in the office doing estimating that, you know, and most people like that go into the trades don't know all these positions exist. Right. You know, that was never told to me that you could be a coordinator an estimator, a project manager, a project executive. There's all these other positions that exist. So I'm like, you know what, what's worse than that can happen? I'm gonna try it out. I go in there, then I learned numbers mm. and learned uh, accountability. And then, then, then you fast forward a couple of years. I was in the project management and that's where i really thrived because i'm organized i'm task oriented resourceful and i was able to like put my i found my true calling i'm like i'm a manager i like creating leaders i like getting shit done and uh that's where the side work picked up and then that's where real estate came in i'm like
0: so before we hop into the real estate yeah so Again, estimating is people, so a project manager is obviously somebody that runs the operations of a project. An estimator is somebody that prices a project or comes up with the bid to send it in to try to win the job, right? Now, the numbers that a lot of people think of, because I see it in my DMs, I see it in the comments, people arguing about the hourly wage, right? That's just that's just one number and that's really short-sighted. What Mark's talking about is that when he be- went into the office and he became an estimator, estimator and he became a project manager, the numbers weren't just about the hourly wage going into his pocket. He was he was learning about the business of everything that goes into a project: how to win the work, how to create a uh, increase your profit margin when you're running the work, how mm-hmm. to mitigate risk, all of the above. Now, again, these are things that you only get by doing it right. So, you you I would highly encourage you go get work experience like Mark did. Start out in the field. Right, learn the skilled trade. Be able to talk with with knowledge and experience about what you're bidding and what you're running. Right, you go into the office. Um, then you get a different kind of education where you're seeing the numbers and the business side and understanding the risk and how to cover yourself. And you know, ba 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 ba. Then you're at a point where suddenly he's seeing numbers in a different way, and he starts investing. Right. Mm. So I always talk about investing in education, but then you started investing in property. And I think that's how you ended up spinning off enough money to start your own plumbing thing. Right. So um, go ahead. Talk. Talk about uh, property investing, what that's been like for you and how that gave you a new opportunity to start your own thing there.
1: Yeah. Well, I think this is a good time to state that this is all happening with no college degree, which is the point of this. Oh, podcast. yeah. Reminder.
0: Yeah. Vo- <laughs> a votech high school <laughs> diploma. Yeah. And a plumbing license. Education is not just a college degree, right? Yeah. That is an education that a
1: lot of people pay a lot of money for. Exactly. Right. Exactly. So, you know, at that point, you know, we, we, we're we traveling through 2014, 15, 16, and I'm able to be a product manager and manage my real estate fix and flips and my, all my properties along with managing my side business. So now it grew into very quickly having a couple employees on plumbing. And now flipping houses, but I used to flip houses. Home Depot and like all these supply companies would call me and be like, "We don't know who you are, but we hear it like Mark Mason's always the guy on the phone, like the other phone guy, because I I pretty much run it from a phone, right. and you know, and all well, all this is happening it was almost like a perfect storm because iPhone started getting big. And it's crazy to talk about now, but like people can make millions of dollars off their iPhone now, and that's what I did. I leveraged the iPhone, i leverage my capabilities of managing and being able to put a schedule together to get these jobs done so fast and so quickly.
0: And when you talk about leverage, you're basically saying that you are able to multiply the output for every unit of input that you put in, right? So your one hour is multiplied through technology and through other people to create 10 hours of output. Right, which is something that I think that you've mastered very well. Yeah. And I think when I think most of the industry is still operating off of a, uh, a notebook and a pen and a truck. <laughs> right? You, we were just talking about this, how you're leveraging AI and all these other things to, to make that happen.
1: Well, yes, absolutely. Another thing I'd like to touch on, real estate just't real estate didn't come naturally to me. I, uh, when I was doing side work, I was working for real estate investors. So I was able to see both sides. And I'm like, mm, I, like, what would I do different? How would I run this job? How would I talk to this individually, individual and, and individual in a way that I can motivate him to get the job done faster? Like like all that was clicking in my head. And once that clicked and I'm like, I can do this, I ended up going to a free course. You know, it was a course that came over the radio. Hey, come, come to this three day event. Ultimately, they wanted to sell you on like an education. I went there, I recorded it with the company iPad and I rewatched it when I got home and then I Googled and then I signed up for Of Pockets I did all my research and that's where I got my education on real estate that really led me to everything I have now.
0: So you're constantly looking for new training, new education,
1: especially if it's free,
0: right? New tools to invest in to, you know, multiply your time, make yourself more efficient, um, as we go, you know, further into depth of your businesses and, and what you're looking at today, and how you how you built it from a, a zero to a ten million on the plumbing side again, a lot of people reach out to me and they're asking about real estate investing and then you, you hear things about the economy and interest rates and yada yada. So mm. it seems like there's uncertainty, but it seems like everybody wants to be involved in it, right, in property okay. investing. So what would you say to those people who are worried about, because I see you on your posts, again, follow Mark on, on Instagram because he's constantly got properties that are getting torn apart that he's, that he's turning and selling, right, in amidst of all of this alleged uncertainty that everyone seems to have. So what would you say about a young person that wants to get into that? Don't
1: watch the news. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> on a real note, I, I just think there's so much noise out there and I'm very good at, like I said earlier, I'm very good at just not listening and just and just knowing what I want and moving. because if I listen to everybody, from 2015 to, to now, I've, I've went through a couple hundred flips, I'm, you know, building a few 60. hundred flips, guys. Yes. <laughs> a couple hundred, hundred houses. I'm working on 50 developments right now. Um, it, it's it's been it's been incredible. It's been incredible. Just climb. And if I listen to everybody else and the noise, we've been we've been we were going to have a recession every year for the past 10 years. So, like, you know, you're just going to take it. And if you're a true entrepreneur and you're a go getter and you have the discipline, you're going to figure it out. Everything could collapse, but you're going to figure out that what you have to do is just make sure you buy correctly and stay true to the facts.
0: So are you a plan B guy or, do you, or are you one of the people that doesn't believe in a, having a plan B because you're just going to be all in on plan A?
1: I believe in the numbers and the facts. And if I buy right right now, if something happens and if I buy smart, I'm able to pivot. Okay. So So, how would you pivot in so a y-
0: situation where you bought something and it's, uh, man, I can't sell for enough or the rate's too high or... Uh, What's an example of how you would pivot?
1: So an example is uh, we're getting into development, you know, and that's a natural progression through fix and flips. Deve-
0: developing as in literally like mowing down trees, digging a new hole, and developing in a new new neighborhood.
1: Correct. Okay. You know, so we're getting into single family, multi-family. We have a 36-unit building uh, going in in uh, the spring. And the, what I have for consistency, consistency on all of them is I bought at the, I bought it at the right number and there's a there's an after repair value that you need to go by and you need to stick by that repair value and your you know your repairs and your construction costs don't change right you know they can they can they can fluctuate a little bit but you just need to buy it right you know in all this land everything could shit the bed right now and I'd sit on the land because I put myself in a position where I'm not cash strapped and I am building duplexes and that's my that's my line of defense on if something comes because everybody's gonna need a place to live. The supply is still not there and I'm building townhouses, half duplexes that are affordable.
0: Well I think I think it's the old you know we're in a housing crisis right? I think Correct. every state claims that they're in a housing crisis um, meaning that there's not enough houses or new houses for the or living options for people and Correct. if they can't afford to buy, I think what you're saying is to create a situation where you're renting correct you're just you're changing the business model live if you if you do have to pivot yeah but you put a tremendous amount of time trying to make it so that you don't have to pivot and
1: exactly and if you have to pivot you have to pivot you know you'll figure it out you know and when you're in those positions it's 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 fight or flight right Mm. so talk about what was it three years ago you started your plumbing company yeah
0: so you know So real estate had taken off. You're doing that. Real estate's taken off. Real estate's taken off, and now you figured, hey, I'm going to take my plumbing license and I'm going to, I'm going to start something else.
1: Yeah, but it's going on probably three and a half, four years now. We had Mason Plumbing and Heating. That's what took me through you know 2013, 14 to 2019 ish, Uh, and I merged with uh, Rich, my business partner now, and we both had a couple guys. We had, you know, I had two guys, he had two guys, and we. We we talked and we said, you know, we'd rather be a fifty percent owner of a fifty million dollar company than a hundred percent owner of a one or two million dollar company. Mm-hmm. And we both had the same vision and we had the alignment, so we said let's 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 take over the area and that's all it took.
0: Now the best part about this is I think what was it, twenty grand you sunk in and you didn't pay yourself for how long?
1: Ten thousand dollars each
0: and we didn't pay each other for probably a year and a half, two years. So two years <laughs> on a $10,000 investment, which is a lot of money to a lot of people, but yeah. maybe wasn't that much considering everything else that you had going on. But two years of sweat equity before you pulled a dollar out of it. Yep. That's incredible. Yeah. <laughs> that That is an incredible message, I think, for young people, especially. So the, there's a lot of people that I've talked to, and a lot of people have the same story where they pulled a minimum out uh, to nothing out. And put in a ton of sweat equity because it wasn't about the return today right it's that they were investing all their time and sweat equity to get paid later now three years later you've gone from zero dollars in revenue to you're shooting at 10 this year we should
1: a little over 10 million
0: this year hopefully a little over 10 million yeah that's incredible that's incredible for for especially for a subcontractor yeah um non-union outside of the city mostly residential
1: uh, you know, it's it's 75. Well, if you talk dollar value, it's 75% uh, commercial, 25% residential. Okay, wow,
0: 75% commercial. Yeah. that's pretty good. Now, talk about because labor is the biggest issue, right? Correct. But you've been able to build a team of over 40 people when nobody can find anybody. Again, in my comments and in my DMs, the common perception is that everybody in the construction industry is slave drivers, especially if you're uh in a non-union situation and you're not, not doing prevailing wages and things like that. You don't come across as that type to me from the way that I hear you talk about your employees and the progression plans that you like having for them and stuff like that. Um, give us a little insight to that.
1: Um, and how the camaraderie is at RCL. Yeah. So when we set, when we set off in the beginning, we wanted to build the biggest company as big as we can get in the market that we're in, with the best culture, and from day one, that's what we put our time and effort into, and everything else has kind of fell into place, and that's came with doing things that were uncomfortable, um, and and spending money that we didn't have, and and doing all these other things to kind of attract the talent that we wanted to, and uh, a lot of it is I'm gonna put it on social media. You know, we created this this icon, this brand that everybody wanted to work for because. What we were doing and who, who we were putting on social media and, and sharing all that, all so, those wins. So you're doing promotion not just to get work, but to get the right people. Yeah. So a lot of people do the promotion to get customers. Right. We 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 swapped it and we kind of found a good niche in that.
0: Wow, that's incredible. Mm-hmm. And what do you, what types of things are you are you, like? What what are you offering that separates your culture from everybody else?
1: So that's the thing. You don't offer anything you just show people who you are and who you are and the team that you have within. And they're going to see for themselves what's going on over at OCL. I see him everywhere. We see it all the time. Everybody that comes in for an interview says, I see you guys on social media. I see you Google reviews, your websites iconic. Like this is the place I want to work. Um, culture.
0: You guys, you guys invest a tremendous amount in culture. You brought that up. I think, uh, Especially with the younger generation, workplace culture is very, very important to them. It's on the top of all their minds, I think. Uh, unfortunately, they think that the world is meant to bring value to them, so it's a little yep. misplaced, right? But interesting statistic that I, that I came across was that 45% of millennials are not happy with their job, right? That means that more than half don't like what they're doing, but... Um, What are the happy people doing? What are the happy people are doing according to publications like the Washington Post and a few others? um, They are working with their hands, which I find very interesting because it's what the younger generation doesn't want to do. So maybe that has something to do with it. But why don't you talk about um, culture, how you invest, what you invest, and some of the things that you guys are doing uh, to make it the, the best culture. You guys just got voted the top place to work. Yeah, Boston Globe. By the Boston Globe. Yep. So, talk about how you were able to achieve that.
1: Yeah. So, uh, I'll get into it a little bit, uh, and I think it's it, it's creating the brand in order to uh, attract the right employees. You know, not the customers' employees, because we're big on in, in our area. You, you can't get the skilled labor, probably like a lot of the areas in the United States. Um, so, we're we're creating that through social media, and we 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 just put a tremendous time and money into showcasing what we've built which they love you know and, and people just want to see you be authentic and the team and everybody winning and uh, you know we have cookouts and we have um, crazy uh, Christmas parties and when we are there we're recording it and we're also interviewing um, our staff you know and, mm-hmm. and just say what do you think what's going on and, and you would think that you would think that uh, people would be shy from the camera but now they want to be a part of it Mm -hmm. which is very, like, it, like, warms me a little bit because I feel like... Like they want to be part of, like, social media posts or anything. They want to be part of the company. Yeah, they want to be part of... The success. Right. You know? They want to be part of the brand. Exactly. Exactly. So, you know, and I think I told you prior that our average age of our company is 28 years old. Which is crazy Um, considering that the average plumber's age is what? 59. 59, which means that they're ready for retirement. 100%. 100%.
0: So... You know, I think I think there's something to be said about maybe working with your hands being more meaningful, right? Uh, giving a little bit of meaning to your life every day, and there's something therapeutic about it. Like, like I love every once in a while. I mean, I'm an executive, but I'll I'll show up in the job site at four in the morning and I'll clean the entire thing out just to just to lead from the front type yeah. of deal. You know what I mean? And I I kind of look forward to doing it because it is a little therapeutic, right? And it does it does something for me mentally. Uh, but what you're talking about is you're talking about investing in a marketing strategy to attract the right kind of people. Um, As opposed to just investing to marketing to get new clients and to, um, you know, attract new words, get lead, more profitable situations, etc. Right. Um, Because we we both know that especially with these older guys, the average uh, 59 year old plumbing foreman are famous for being miserable pricks. Absolutely. Right? So you don't want that, mm-hmm. and I think I think you see that in my DMs. I think you see a lot of people feel stifled or discouraged in their career by getting paired up with those people. Yep. But you're investing in the culture. You're creating that that uh, honey pot or beehive or whatever you want to call it to attract the right the right people. Um, you know, typically with with a job, the things that make people happy are compensation, um, opportunity. And appreciation. So you 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 talked about the appreciation. Um, talk about, talk about the opportunity and the compensation. What is, what was it 15 years ago for a plumber, non-union plumber outside of the city to be making? Because a lot of people think, again, it's slave wages, right? And why, why don't we start there, and then we'll climb the ladder a little bit.
1: Yeah, so when it comes to compensation, I, I I do think that's probably the number one thing because you need to support your family, and that's the number one thing everybody looks at, and then I think that comes to the opportunity and culture that comes behind that. Uh, when I graduated high school and I went into trades, a licensed plumber was making about 25 to $28 an hour. Which is like
0: 56 grand a year.
1: Yep, yep, and you fast forward today, an entry-level plumber is making $35, $40 an hour to start. Right, okay,
0: so that's like seventy eighty thousand $80,000 a year. For somebody who is maybe 21, 22 years old, no college degree, went to a Votech. Um, and that's it before an ounce of overtime. So the potential to make way more than that is there. Absolutely, right. Absolutely. Um, and the other thing, again, we we touched on you know, estimators and project managers and what it's like to move up the ranks. What are you guys doing? as far as making sure people are aware of those opportunities um, displaying how they capture them. Do you guys have a review process in place? How transparent
1: is it? You know, how do you guys tackle that? Yeah, well the employees come first, you know, and, and that's how you have to run your company these days because ultimately they are the profit makers it's competitive, right? It's if you're not going to do it, somebody else will hundred percent. So, uh, we value everybody and that's what people want appreciation. Like you said, and, uh, You know, we have annual reviews like you should have, you know, and we also uh, put in place a career path workbook where we actually go through the career path and what they want to be, you know, from starting an apprentice to maybe moving up to a journeyman plumber, over to a foreman, and then the opportunities in the office if they want to go down that road. Some people do, some people don't, but giving them that opportunity and letting them know that it's there is just – it's, it's priceless. One thing I'll add is at every interview, we also give a core value card with all our core values on it and we give them a painted vision. Now this painted vision is essentially our three year plan mm-hmm. on what the vision of the company is and what our goals are. And our goals, when we made that painted vision, one of our goals was to be taught place to work and we hit it. and uh, that's what I mean about vision. So more times than not, people walk in, they're like, I've never gotten this at an interview. And that's what excites them.
0: Well, I think it's incredibly unique. You know, people want authenticity. You and I have talked about that a bunch. Yeah. Right. They want to feel like they're a part of something, but they don't want to be in the dark. Like, where are they in their career? Do you have a plan for them? Do they do, they, do you want to know their their plan for themselves? Right. What does their home life look like? What does their work life look like? And uh, what is the next step? What's the next step after that? How can you guys agree to get there? How is their performance currently? What can they work on, right? And I think above all else, aside from you know being put in the dark or the, or the transparency, or whatever you want to call it, you know they want to feel like they they're working for somebody or being managed by somebody that wants them to go up the ladder. And you want that, absolutely, right? yeah, absolutely. You want that career progression for people.
1: You want it. it it's it's easy to grow. And to have quality control when you grow within, you know, it, you know what you're getting, right? You know their weaknesses, you know their strengths. If you're taking somebody off the street, there's a little bit more risk, you know? So we want people to grow, you know? And I love to see people win. Rich loves to see people win. And that's what it's all about. It's not all about money, you know? It's about what fulfills you. And fulfill, what fulfills me is when they when they come in with a new truck.
0: Yeah, the right purpose the right and uh, serving that purpose with the right intent, the money will come. Correct. And the money has come for you again from zero to over 10 million in just a couple of years. Yeah. Right. Um, so you are a wealth of information, right? I don't think a lot of people would give that feedback. Uh, your story is incredible. You know, you went from a young person that wasn't dealt a great hand, ton of trauma at a very young age, you know, then to a vote tech. And you've taken that all the way up into being a very successful entrepreneur in several different ventures. Um, you know, one of which taking your trade to over a 10 million a year business, um, you have a book coming out, right? Which I know that I'm going to go grab. So why don't, why don't you talk about that book and what, what, um, type of knowledge that's going to bring for people? Yeah,
1: absolutely. And I think it was just time, you know, And, and writing the book was challenging. Uh, I've been working on it for just about a year now. It should be published in October and it's just my time to give back. And, uh, I wanted to put on the table, um, how I got there. And how you can do it too. So essentially, we wrote a book on how to build entrepreneurship and overcome that adversity. So in the first couple of chapters, we talk about you know my life growing up and what I've overcome, and then just the basics of getting into business. Right? Uh, what What are the basics? What do you need to know? What are you gonna look out for? Stuff that nobody's told me that you know that is gonna help out the next person online.
0: That's awesome. I mean, I know I, I'm definitely going to post about it when it does come out. I'm going to grab myself a copy. Um, definitely follow, follow Mark, um, at Mark Mason underscore Mark with a C. So at Mark Mason underscore on, on Instagram. Again, he'll be in all of my posts. Um, Mark, anything else to add? I, I really appreciate you having me in here. Again, I am on location. Had me at his facility up, in, up outside of Boston. It's good to be home and it's good to get my accent back. Let's go. So thank you for that, Mark. I appreciate you.